1: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
0: The most terrifying things we're hearing is some people who are seemingly young and healthy, they go in, they're just having a little bit of fevers off and on, maybe a little bit of shortness of breath if they're walking upstairs, and then all of a sudden they decompensate, they need a ventilator, they seem to be getting better, and then their heart starts failing, and there's just no way to know who those folks are going to be.
2: That's health reporter Michelle Cortez. This is WBBM's In Depth, where we take a deep dive into a story we're telling on the air. I'm Cisco Cotto. This week, we're discussing COVID 19 as major cities across the United States are almost completely shut down to try to stem the spread of the deadly virus. We'll talk about telecommuting as more and more employees are working from home. We'll also look at America's appetite for comfort foods. During a very uncomfortable time for the world, this could be a boost for packaged food companies that have lost a ton of market share over the last decade. First, though, let's talk about some of the latest developments in the COVID-19 outbreak, including a complete shutdown of India and a postponement of the Summer Olympics. Michelle Cortez, health reporter at Bloomberg News, is with us. Michelle, you are on daily briefings with the World Health Organization and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Uh, What do you see as the biggest piece of data, the biggest piece of news that we're getting right now?
0: Well, really what we're seeing now is this very differentiated outbreak across the entire world. The U.S. is starting to become the center of the epidemic. Sadly, it looks like that's going to be New York, but we're also seeing outbreaks in Louisiana. We're having it in California and Washington. Certainly, we're seeing some cases in Colorado and in Illinois. So every different area is doing different things to try to get this under control, and trying to synchronize it is going to be challenging.
2: Is there any comfort or encouragement in the fact that it seems as though things are stabilizing in China?
0: Things are definitely stabilizing in China. I think that's really great news. It shows us how long this virus lasts. It also shows us that some of these social distancing steps that can be taken do have an impact. The government has said that they're going to start opening Wuhan back up. But that's also going to be an interesting thing to watch because the concern there, of course, is that they're going to start importing virus from other places such as europe and in the united states so stay tuned on that one
2: and so that has to have some health professionals saying say i think in many people's minds this is just a few weeks and then we'll kind of roll through this but we're looking at many months not only for this to be taken care of here in the united states but really around the world
0: it's definitely going to be months it's a little bit Disconcerting, President Trump is planning to open the U.S. again relatively recently. He said today that he's hoping that the U.S. economy is back and humming by Easter Sunday, which is on April 12th. That's just 19 days from now. Meanwhile, Wuhan, that's been shut down for months now, is opening up on April 4th. So the question is is whether or not this opening back up is going to actually enliven the economy, the global economy, and help us rebound, certainly in the stock market and with all of our jobs and incomes and allow us to return to some degree of normalcy, or if it's actually going to create a rebound of the virus itself and lead us to an even longer and harsher outbreak.
2: Talk about the social distancing, because it's not, again, I think in some people's minds, social distancing is about killing this thing and getting rid of it, uh, but from what I've been hearing, it's really just about slowing it down so we can deal with the people who are sick. Is, is that right?
0: As a general rule, once you have the virus that is so widespread as it is in the United States, just social distancing isn't going to be enough to stop the virus. You just think about it. As long as you're within six feet of somebody who is vulnerable to it, that virus is going to keep passing. So even within households, even just within a grocery store, that sort of thing, someone is going to be going and picking it up from someone else. Like we're not all completely isolated in our own little bubbles for two weeks. If we did that, maybe we could stop the virus entirely. If we could all be perfect for two weeks in the entire world, that's just unlikely to happen. And so what they're doing exactly, Cisco, is what you said. They just want us to slow it down a little bit so that slowly as the virus moves through, it won't overwhelm the healthcare system. And then once somebody's been infected, they no longer will be vulnerable to it. So that virus can't jump from one person to the next. And at some point, if it doesn't have a host to go to, it does die off. So that's what they're looking for. Exactly. And we'll see if that works.
2: And is there also something to, uh, if they can just slow it down, Maybe they get to the point where they have some sort of drug or other treatment that could help people who are vulnerable. But it's going to take a while to get that.
0: Exactly. We are hoping that some of these novel approaches that are being studied might hit, might be successful. Remdesivir is in clinical trials. They think by the end of April we might have some early data on that. There's been a lot of talk lately about a malaria drug and an antibiotic which most people would not think would be successful at all against a virus. But there is some idea that perhaps some people have both viral and bacterial infections. So we'll see if that works. There's even a vaccine that's just starting in clinical trials, which has progressed at a breakneck, unbelievable pace. So they're thinking they might start testing that in some healthcare providers in the next couple of months by the fall, perhaps. But before it's available widely to everyone, that's for sure going to be another year to a year and a half. But things are coming along. So if we can just delay it until we get some kind of treatment help, then that would be good.
2: And is there maybe a word of warning necessary that as you're hearing about all these possible treatments that are just being tested, that you shouldn't necessarily take matters into your own hands and start ingesting things that you see online or uh, different treatments that you might have around the house?
0: Oh, right. We've definitely been hearing about some of that stuff. A lot of these medicines are available already, and so people are out there trying them out. And without exception, every medicine has side effects. Not every medicine works for every person, and these experimental medicines or even using an approved medicine in a new way, you don't know how that's going to work. There are some situations where we had back with SARS and swine flu where people were taking things that actually made them worse and it made them more likely to have side effects and more likely to die than if they hadn't done anything at all. So definitely don't. The FDA is putting out warnings today about fraudulent drugs, fraudulent tests. So you really need to make sure that if you're going to be doing something, that you're doing it with your doctor, with the healthcare professional, doing it the right way, because otherwise you can definitely do a lot more harm than good.
2: Now, as far as what happens when you get this, obviously some people have died. Some people feel like they don't even have anything. completely asymptomatic. Uh, Talk about that challenge of not really knowing that you have something or also it going to the opposite end where it might get really, really extreme. You just don't know.
0: You have absolutely no idea. We keep seeing these reports of people who were tested kind of incidentally. Maybe they had somebody in their environment and they were famous or they had money or the availability and they're testing positive people that you would have never expected to be positive. And that could be for all of us. I mean, anyone could actually be infected with this and just not know about it. On the other side of things, you might have like a stuffy nose or a cough and feel other than that well. But, you know, certainly you should stay home if that's the case. And of course, it does play out differently for different people. I mean, the most terrifying things we're hearing is some people who were seemingly young and healthy, they go in, they're just having a little bit of fevers off and on, maybe a little bit of shortness of breath if they're walking upstairs, and then all of a sudden they decompensate, they need a ventilator, they seem to be getting better, and then their heart starts failing, and there's just no way to know who those folks are going to be. So the, the fear is real. If you get severe disease, that it could be very bad for you indeed. And even if you don't have any disease at all, you could potentially be making your friends and family sick.
2: Now let's turn our attention to the workplace, although those are very empty these days as more and more employees are working from home. How are the workers navigating working from home and also their bosses especially in an environment where a lot of leaders are trying to maintain a team atmosphere. Tom Gimbel, founder and CEO of LaSalle Network in Chicago, joined us on the WBBM Noon Business Hour, talking about the challenge of maintaining camaraderie when everyone's working remotely. Tom, I think at first a lot of companies scrambled just to get their employees online so they could get some work done. Uh, Now, though, camaraderie seems to be the next order of business.
1: There's no doubt about it, Cisco, and you have uh, a m- bunch of different aspects of office camaraderie. Number one is collaboration, and working together, and how you do that without seeing everybody's face. And secondarily is the social interaction that you lose from the water cooler and the happy hours that are being missed and trying to find the perfect balance of those because usually with workplace flexibility uh, and working from home, it's not everybody, right? There's usually people holding down the fort. And it's a little bit harder when everybody's got it.
2: So what are some of the things that some companies are doing to try to make a team feel like a team? Yeah, so what we've
1: been doing at LaSalle Network, and we've been coaching all of our clients to do, is and if people aren't using Zoom video software, uh, they're really missing the boat. So it's it's like Skype, but easier and better uh, to use and to log on. And so you can get up to 300 people at one time, and you can see everybody's face. So if you're doing a big company, uh vetting you can actually scroll screens and see everybody's face and what and what they're doing and you're having eye contact with everybody in addition for one-on-ones whether you're going to do zooms or if you're using uh software like slack or we use microsoft teams so you can do one-on-one video conferencing right off of that and the good old-fashioned facetime um i've been facetiming with employees and instead of calling them i'm talking to them because it's not about just seeing them and them seeing you, it's about them not having any interaction with anybody and trying to give the people aspect to them.
2: Well, it's especially a time for extroverts who, who really need people to actually feel some sort of connection. There's no
1: doubt about it. And I tell you, Cisco, even on the introvert side, is we all make fun of, introverts make fun of extroverts and extroverts make fun of introverts. But the introverts like to be bothered a little bit more than they thought too. And when you have no choice but to stay home, it's really hard. So we instituted virtual happy hours twice a week so at 5:30, we all log on to the video screens and everybody has a drink if they want to or no drink obviously but um and have a virtual happy hour and uh yesterday morning we did sunrise virtual yoga where we had one of our staff who's a, a certified yoga instructor led us through video yoga workouts
2: And this is a way, uh, it sounds like, not only for employees to feel connected, but also to get a little health benefit out of it because a lot of people are not able to keep up with their regular exercise routine.
1: There's absolutely no doubt about that. And and I think at the end of the day, leadership needs to step up and realize that they're not just corporate leaders. In a situation like this, you're, you're, you're leaders of people from a personal standpoint, too is that everybody doesn't have a life coach or a spouse that's going to hold them accountable. That sometimes you need a leader of your company to tell you, you know what, your physical and mental also help your professional. And you need to be reading books and you need to be doing exercise and taking walks outside. It's not just about watching Netflix and doing a little bit of
2: work. How is coronavirus impacting our diets A lot of people had been going healthier. Packaged food companies had been suffering, but now move over kale and quinoa. Americans are opting for Oreos and chips instead, and this could be a big boost for those packaged food companies. Pizza, certainly among one of those comfort foods. Uh, Phil, a a lot of people just want to find something that makes them feel a little better.
3: Absolutely, and especially as you're walking down the aisles of those supermarkets, and most of the aisles, in fact, they... This weekend, I visited about 15 stores. Uh, maybe they've got 30 percent of the of the items that nobody wants that are on the aisles. We're looking for things to make us feel better. Um, unfortunately, a lot of those products are not as nutritious as we'd like. Um, I actually wanted to buy a frozen pizza couldn't find it. My, my pizza aisles were blank. Um, everything in the frozen food case was empty. So people are changing their eating habits. Um, and I'm not sure that it's for the better.
2: And uh, yeah, it seems like the things that are healthy are the things that don't last as long. And, and maybe that's one of the things people are just trying to get food that could last a few weeks.
3: Exactly. Uh, you know, what, we, what we're what we seeing is we're certainly seeing the government saying, you know, stock up for about two weeks. We're also seeing some groups, uh, some religious groups that are saying, you know, hunker down for a year, buy whatever you can for a year, get that, you know, 100 rolls of, of toilet paper, if you would. Um, so we're seeing the extremes of what's going on. Um, now, the important thing to remember is the best defense that we've got is a strong immunity. So what we really want to do is we really want to be consuming citrus. We want to have those leafy greens. We want to have chicken, for example. I mean, we really want to eat healthy at this point in time. Um, Just getting, you know, a a box of Oreos is might satisfy us mentally, but it's not going to help us, you know, fight fight this disease.
2: So what happens if I have a box of Oreos, but I also take some vitamin C? Is that, is, is that no, Does no. that work for me?
3: No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> what, I, what I want you to do is I want you to get some oranges and squeeze your own orange juice at home, and that'll be the best vitamin C that you can get.
2: Yeah, probably good, though, for all those companies that make all the comfort foods that uh, they've been really hurting in recent years.
3: They have. Um, you know, the the consumer packaged goods industry, those brands that we love, Heinz, uh, Oreos, and people like that, people have been shying away from them. Um, so the good news is that there's plenty of those products in warehouses, and they're able to ship to the supermarkets very quickly, uh, get their product on the shelf, and that's what we're seeing. But if, if you want canned soup, even for Campbell's, um, who's really seen their sales plummet, i didn't see one can of Campbell's soup in any of the stores that I've visited.
2: Yeah, a lot of people trying to get that stuff that'll uh, survive in the pantry for a while, and it tastes good, too. Join us right here next week for another edition of the WBBM In-Depth Podcast, where we will continue taking a deep dive into the coronavirus. Be sure to subscribe to receive this free podcast every Wednesday. And of course, listen anytime for the stories that matter by listening to WBBM on the radio.com app or on your radio.